Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to talk some of the biggest winners and losers from the preseason heading into the regular season. Of course, Jared already did a full article on this topic. You can read that for free at DraftSharks.com. We'll be talking about a lot of the guys that he included, not all of them though, and there will be more details. And also check out the full rundown of preseason takeaways. Jared collected those at the end of every week of the preseason, talked about important usage notes, performance analysis of key players along the way, and they're all stacked up. You can look back through the three weeks of preseason games. For now, though, Jared, let's focus on the entirety and talk about biggest winners and losers, maybe guys who moved in our rankings as a result. Kenny Pickett is up first on the winner's side. Tell me why he's a preseason winner. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. I mean, he looked awesome. The Steelers' offense, passing in particular, looked really good this preseason. Pickett's numbers, 87% completion rate, 13.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, it's, it's small sample. All this preseason stuff is small sample, so we don't want to react too strongly. But it, you know, it's also worth reacting to in a lot of cases, and I think it is worth reacting to with how well Kenny Pickett played. Pro Football Focus had – him as their best passer in terms of passing grades this preseason. And it's also worth remembering that Pickett was first in PFF passing grades over the final five weeks of last season. So this, this uh, strong play, at least based on PFF grades is kind of a a continuation of what we saw at the end of last season. There's room to overreact as well as underreact. We don't want to say, all right, Kenny Pickett's awesome. I'm drafting him as the 10th quarterback right now, but we also don't want to say it's preseason. It's not that many passes ignore. The question is, when do you take Kenny Pickett, what this means for us, whether we're actually looking at him at all, really, in a 10 to 12 team fantasy league. And Jared, I want to not only ask that, but I saw you tweet yesterday still that Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are overvalued in drafts. So what's the context here? Should I pay attention to this Pittsburgh pass offense for my fantasy team? Well, that's what's keeping me from ranking Pickett too highly is because I do still think the Steelers want to be a run heavy offense. Everything they've said and everything that we've heard, you know, out of Steelers camp all off season is that they want to be run heavy. Now volume is less important for quarterbacks than wide receivers, right? Like Pickett can have a good fantasy season, even if the Steelers are run heavy in large part too, because Pickett can run. I think that's an underrated aspect of his profile. You know, he's not going to be a, you know, Josh Allen level runner, but he can be, you know, uh, Russell Wilson in his prime level of runner where he's, you know, giving us 20 to 30 rushing yards a game. I'm in on Pickett as a quarterback too. I think, you know, if you get into a 12 team league or, or more, you know, 14, 16 team league, and you're looking for a quarterback too to platoon with, you know, another later on option, I do think Pickett is in play. I'm still, I'm still for the most part out on uh, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens at ADP. Yeah. I think Pickett's fine to take as a QB too. And he's going to look like a Butler the entire time with those gloves on. <laughs> so you got to like the dignity of that. I'm a little bit more on board with Deontay Johnson. Cause I think if we, do think that his quarterbacks are going to be good this year that he's a low risk bet to make in wide receiver three range and if things really do click even just from an efficiency standpoint he has a really good chance of delivering on that uh, draft position George Pickens I'm a little bit less in on because I don't think that he's going to really challenge Deontay Johnson for that lead in target share. So even if he's efficient and scores for us and has some big weeks, I think he's going to be inconsistent, kind of like a a Gabe Davis level of performer. And we'll see exactly what he can deliver. The next guy on our winners list is Houston running back Damian Pierce. What went right for him? Yeah, so Damian Pierce in his preseason debut opened by playing the first 14 snaps of the game, you know, 14 in a row. No one else came in to, to sub for him. And then in the preseason finale, um, CJ Stroud in the first team offense played nine snaps. Pierce was on the field for all nine of those snaps. We also saw him run 10 pass routes in the preseason. He was even split out wide for three of his snaps. So 
Now, again, we don't want to read too much into this. Pierce, obviously not going to be at 100% snap rate player or anything close to it during the regular season, but um, it definitely looks like he's going to claim a bigger share of that Texans backfield than, you know, we thought a few weeks ago. You're going to see in some places, this guy was a winner because he didn't play at all. This guy was a winner because he played 14 straight snaps in the first game. It's important Mm -hmm. to look at the entire context. And obviously that's what Jared did in that preseason takeaways article that I referenced. I, for me, I'm surprised at just how much it was Damian Pierce with the first team offense here. It was not like Najee Harris and Jalen Warren from that Pittsburgh offense. We were just talking about, I would have expected more Devin Singletary to be involved. So I agree that because we did not see more Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce looks like more a part of the passing game than what I was anticipating. For sure. I have noticed his ADP climbing Damian Pierce. Like I've seen him go in the fourth round. We like the volume. He's still a running back and was probably going to be a bad offense. So I don't think there's a massive ceiling here. So if he's going to be going in the fourth round, I'm mostly out on him still. Devin Singletary, the drafts I've done in the past week or two is like, barely getting picked like no one wants to touch this guy anymore and I get it like he's not going to have standalone fantasy fantasy value but at, at minimum you still have a clear-cut handcuff in Devin Singletary so you know if you can get him in round you know 14 or 15 I definitely think he's still worth considering there all running backs are more likely to suffer some kind of ding during the season that has a chance to make them miss time than they are to not and make it through all 17 games so I agree and I agree that if Pierce gets into round four not interested he's still not somebody I'm excited about for the factors that you were just talking about but Round five on, certainly fine with Damian Pierce there, and there is upside. Another running back from a different team, Tank Bigsby, Jared. What's What makes him a preseason winner? Somebody that I've been on board with all along, and I'll actually change the name tiles here because I forgot through Damian Pierce. Yeah, Bigsby had a nice ascension throughout the preseason. I think in the first preseason game, he didn't get many. I think it was maybe one snap with the first team offense. But in the preseason finale, Bigsby played 36% of the first team snaps. Um, you know, Travis Etienne played the other 64%. So that's basically a, a two to one split uh, in favor of Etienne in terms of snaps. That That's kind of, I think, what we should be expecting in week one. And then we'll kind of see how the backfield evolves from there. Bigsby also looked good this preseason, which I do think matters more for rookies and younger players and veterans. Like I, I don't really care how proven veterans look in the preseason, but when you see a rookie like Bigsby get on an NFL field, average 5.7 yards per carry, that's encouraging. So I, I definitely think Bigsby, um, you know, should be climbing your rankings after, after the preseason. Was some talk after that third game because he fumbled near the goal line. We'll see if that matters. Some coaches, that means you don't touch the ball for the next two weeks. Other coaches are like, nah, that happens and toss him back in. So we'll watch the usage. But Tank Bigsby has not been a guy that we were planning to start in week one in lineup setting leagues anyway. So I agree, positive preseason, and we'll see what the usage looked like. It, it's worth noting that last year in the first Doug Peterson season, the Jaguars started out the year with James Robinson as the clear lead ball carrier, Travis Etienne, the clear receiving leader in the backfield. I'll be curious to see if that's kind of the breakdown that he prefers with different guys this year. And we get more tank Bigsby in that role, not projecting it. I'm waiting to see exactly what happens like with that. I will say in that last preseason game, like Bigsby and Etienne both played in all situations. So like, you know, like you said, Bigsby got the goal line carry on the first drive. Etienne got a, got a goal line carry on the second drive. Both guys played in passing situations. So it wasn't like a, uh, you know, these guys are in specific roles. It was like, you know, we're just going to rotate them through. So again, that might just be, they, they want to see both guys in those roles, or that might be what they're planning in the regular season. There, there's you know no way to know for sure. Yeah. And both guys should be three down types where they can play in all of those roles. That's what they look like elsewhere on that Jacksonville offense. Calvin Ridley came out of the preseason as a winner. Yeah. I mean, I think we were concerned about just 
what Ridley was, you know, coming off the long layoff and everything we heard in training camp was positive. The preseason, I guess, was kind of just like final confirmation that, you know, Calvin Ridley is back, I think, to something at least close to what he was in, in his, you know, prime season when, when he went for 1,400 plus yards. Ridley this preseason caught all five of his targets from Trevor Lawrence for 71 yards, ran a pass route on every single Trevor Lawrence drop back and saw a 31% target share. Now, again, it's t- tiny samples. Like the target share doesn't matter too much to me, but the fact that he was on the field for all the pass plays looked good. I no longer have, you know, concerns about, you know, what Ridley has left in the tank. Yeah. And combine that with the, all the reports basically since the start of camp where anybody watching the team is like Calvin Ridley is awesome. And they also still have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. So, you know, I was wondering heading in, what is Calvin Ridley? Like you're saying at this point after last year off and, you know, far removed from the last time he played football, but it looks like he's all the way back. Uh, it looks like they want him to be the lead wide receiver in Jacksonville. It certainly looks like he's the most talented one, which we would have guessed um, if there weren't any other issues that needed answering. So the downside here is that everybody has moved Calvin Ridley up. Uh, you're likely to see <laughs> yeah. him go at least in round three. You'll see him go in round two at times. So I, they're just there hasn't been a point this year where I'm really strongly on board with drafting yeah. Calvin Ridley, because by the time I got comfy, everybody else was comfy too. I like Ridley in round three at this point. You know, I'm still taking T. Higgins over Ridley. That's kind of like my, my cutoff point. But once T. Higgins is off the board, um, if I'm, you know, even early round three and Ridley's sitting there, I'm definitely um, open, open to taking him. Yes, I agree that he is fine in round three. Dalton Kincaid from the Buffalo Bills, Jared, what makes him a winner? And I think it's a little bit different than the next tight end winner on this list. Yeah, I mean, I think you could go a couple ways with Kincaid. Like I, some people might be discouraged by what we saw in the preseason. I was encouraged by it. So Kincaid ran a route on 68% of Josh Allen's dropbacks in the final two preseason games. That's like lower than we want. We're usually looking for like, you know, 75 plus from a tight end we're, you know, using in our fantasy lineups as a tight end one. Um, but 68% for a rookie, like it's only going to grow from there, I would assume. Right. So I still think Kincaid is probably not someone we want to trust right out of the gate. Like, we'll keep a close eye on the usage. And again, I expect his playing time and role in the passing game to grow. So I, I think by October, you know, he, he could be someone that we're considering in fantasy lineups. And this is, again, where specific context matters. If you're a first round rookie tight end running 68% of routes on the Texans, then I'll see you next year. But if you're doing that with the Bills, then I'm interested because we're talking about one of the league's most pass happy offenses. We're talking about one of the league's most efficient scoring offenses. And we're talking about an offense that still looks unsettled at the slot receiver position. So there's enough room for Kincaid to stay at that level of usage and still give us useful fantasy numbers throughout the season, especially at a position where we don't necessarily care as much about target volume as we do a wide receiver. Yeah. Kincaid was lining up all over the formation too, for the bills in the preseason. It was 45%, you know, traditional inline tight end, 43% of his snaps came in the slot. He was out wide for 10% of his snaps. It was even in the backfield for 3% of his snaps. So they're moving him all over the place. Now he, he's basically going to be, you know, their, you know, quote unquote, number three slot receiver, I I think. The last tight end on our list before we get to the losers is Luke Musgrave in Green Bay. And I'm just glad that the season's starting so that Jared can stop telling me how awesome <laughs> Luke Musgrave is, really. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, the biggest winner of the preseason, just based on the usage, like Luke Musgrave truly got elite tight end usage this preseason, tw- preseason 24% target share, which is, you know, like Kelsey, Mark Andrews level. 89% route rate with the first team offense for, for Luke Musgrave to put that in perspective. Here is where the top five tight ends of last year finished in route rate for the season. Travis Kelsey, 
TJ Hawkinson, 84%. That was in his nine Vikings games. Uh, George Kittle, 89%. Mark Andrews, 94%. Evan Ingram, 80%. And again, Luke Musgrave was at 89% in the preseason. So, you know, if he stays at 89% of the routes or even in that, you know, vicinity, it would be hard for him, I think, not to finish as a top 12 fantasy tight end this season. Yeah. And that's where market price matters because if we did see Luke Musgrave going at the same level as Dalton Kincaid, where he's tight end 12, tight end 11, it might be like, all right. Well, let's see here. It's still a rookie tight end. We've got a first-time starter at quarterback. We've got an offense that leaned toward the run, even with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, we'll see. But Luke Musgrave is still, even though he climbed an ADP, he's like tight end 17, 18 level, low risk. Like it's If you don't get an elite tight end, you can completely wait until tight end 15, 16. You can pair up Luke Musgrave and like Hayden Hurst and then just keep the guy that works for you early in the season or keep them both all season if you've got a deep enough roster. Yeah, Hurst is a good one. Um, I think Tyler Higby would be a good pair with Musgrave because I I still wouldn't want to start Luke Musgrave week one. I'd want, you know, someone like a, like a Higby or even a Hurst. So I just, you know, a veteran prove and you kind of know what their role is going to be in the offense Higby, especially, but yeah, I mean, again, by, by week two, if we see this type of usage from Musgrave in week one, like uh, Musgrave is probably going to be, you know, at least somewhere near the top 12 in our tight end rankings. You can check our week one rankings now to see it, just how high Luke Musgrave does sit. If you're in a deeper league or if you waited on tight end, see if maybe he even makes sense for you in this first week when we see what happens. If you have any winners that you think that we left off our list, let us know in the comments. And also, if you like what we're doing on here, what you're listening to, um, if you're listening to the audio version of this, let us know by subscribing, rating, reviewing our content, really wherever you like to consume it. Even if it's just a general draft charts review on Google, we appreciate all of that. Helps us keep doing what we're doing, helps other people find us. Now, Jared, let's get meaner and go to the loser's <laughs> side. And the first one has nothing to do with with performance and everything to do with a surprise IR designation on this Thursday ahead of the season. Jeff Wilson Jr. of the Dolphins lands on IR to start the season. It means he's going to miss at least four games with what Mike McDaniel called a midsection injury and finger issues, which is an odd injury report. But Mike McDaniel also added he wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Wilson is able to return this year. I was like, wait a second. Not only is it a surprise landing on IR, but we're not certain that he's going to return this year. I mean, I a day ago, I was glowing about how much Jeff Wilson Jr. I have in my best ball yep. portfolio. And now I'm like, what if he doesn't play this year? So he's clearly a loser. What does it mean for the whole backfield? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think 14th or 15th round, Jeff Wilson probably isn't going to gonna make or break teams, but it definitely sucked because he did look like one of the better values. It's a it's a weird one. I mean, we had heard he hadn't been practicing at times. He didn't play in any of the, of the preseason games, but this the, the extent of the injury definitely came out of nowhere. So Wilson, by the way, I think is, is undraftable now. If you're, you yes. have drafts, there remaining weekend you know he he could be a a a pickup you know once he's activated from the ir but um raheem moster is going to be a solid fantasy starter i think for the first month of the season devin a chain their third round rookie did not play a single snap this preseason with the first team and then hurt his shoulder in the second preseason game he just got back on the practice field but he's still wearing a red non-contact jersey so i'm not even sure he's going to play week one so then it's salvin ahmed and another rookie, Chris Brooks, behind Raheem Moster on the depth chart. So the other thing here is this could be a landing spot, I think, for Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt. That's kind of, I think, the, the last thing we need to, to figure out here. But as things stand now, and I think at least for week one, like Raheem Moster, someone you can put in fantasy lineups as an RB2. 
And there have been reports out of Dolphins camp about how Raheem Mostert is healthier than he was last year and looking more explosive than he did at any point last year. So, frankly, even if they signed Kareem Hunt or, or Leonard Fournette, I think that Raheem Mostert's probably yeah. the better player right now. He's somebody that if he's on the board in round 10, pretty close to an auto pick for me unless I already have like five running backs and somebody that I wish this news had come out yesterday because I could have just drafted him in my FFPC main event. Yeah, especially in lineup setting leagues, Mostert is the perfect player to take with someone like Brees Hall or Alvin Kamara, who, you know, Kamara suspended the first three games. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Um, Someone who, you know, you need that early season production because Raheem Mostert's 31 years old. He has a long injury history. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out there and someone we can use in fantasy liners. But again, at least for the first month, assuming he holds up, I think he's definitely going to be useful. Yes. And they start with the Chargers who perennially are not great in run defense. So I'm, I'm excited for Raheem Mostert in week one now. I'm just hoping that I can draft a little bit more of them between now and then. Next loser on this list is C.J. Stroud, the Houston Texans quarterback. So we like Damian Pierce. We don't like what we saw from C.J. Stroud this summer, right? He just didn't look good. The first team offense for the Texans in the passing game that did not look good. Stroud finished with a 55% completion rate, 4.5 yards per attempt. Again, only 20 passes. I, th- I thought the Texans offensive line looked like an issue. Stroud was pressured on 35% of his dropback. So that that's a bad formula. The Texans, by the way, open against the Ravens. Um, so that is um, not, not a good spot for that offense. Draft the Ravens defense if you can for as your you know week one starter. Yeah, which is what the draft war room has been telling you for those who asking me why the Ravens are so high in the team <laughs> defense rankings. And this isn't a huge deal for CJ Stroud. It does not alter my long-term view right. on him. We're not expecting him to be an awesome fantasy quarterback this year. The fact that they are letting him start right away, certainly a good sign. Jared, is it changing your feelings at all about Nico Collins heading into week one? Maybe a little, but like you're never drafting Collins as a you know week one starter. Um, you know, he's going in wide receiver four, wide receiver five range. I, I will still take him there in both best ball and lineup setting league, stash him on my bench in lineup setting, just, you know, hope Stroud kind of, you know, gets it, gets it going as we get later into this, into the season. Yeah. Texans have always been a more of a, we'll see what happens kind of draft pick for me, as opposed to somebody to count on next up Rashad Penny, who I know is somebody that you liked a lot earlier heading into training camp what went wrong for him since then yeah he just played too much in the preseason and played you know so deandre swift and kenneth gainwell both got one of the first two preseason games off rashad penny played in both and in the second preseason game penny played behind both gainwell and boston scott now penny made the final roster they kept four running backs they kept swift Gainwell, Penny, and Scott, Trey Sermon got cut. So I'm still buying some Rashad Penny just for the talent and the, the situation, but he, he is definitely not someone that we're going to be able to use in week one fantasy lineups. Worth mentioning that Gainwell has been on the team for a couple of years, so they know what he can do. They traded a draft pick for DeAndre Swift. So clearly they thought at least, you know, a pretty good amount about him they they liked him clearly if they were willing to give a draft pick they paid Rashad Penny a little bit more than a million dollars on a one-year deal so they don't need to pay more than market price to get Penny and that doesn't necessarily show where guys stand next to each other on the depth chart but it's at least worth noting that that's the starting point now Penny has always been talented it's a potentially good situation for rushing we saw that with miles sanders last year i don't think that we should expect anybody to get as much groundwork as miles sanders did last year and probably nobody to get even close to as much as he did i think what people are chasing in their whether it's subconscious or on purpose they're chasing the guy who is miles sanders this year 
I, I don't think this group is going to have a Miles Sanders this year. I don't think anybody yeah. that's left behind is as good a runner right now as Miles Sanders was last year. See, I think Rashad Penny's a better runner than Miles Sanders. I'm with you that no one is going to have Miles Sanders season. I do think in spurts, even in, you know, in, in single weeks, like, you know, if Swift or Gainwell miss time and if, you know, Penny finds himself in a spot where he's going to get 12 to 15 carries, he can definitely have big games. So he, he's a bench stash. Again, he's nowhere near starting lineup probably the first few weeks of the season. But I do think, you know, if you're looking for like an upside handcuff type, I still think Penny qualifies as a, as a nice option. I agree. Nothing wrong with stashing Penny at this point. Kenneth Gainwell is still the cheapest in most drafts. So he's the one I'm most interested in. It has more receiving upside and had a good size role in the playoffs at the end of last year. The final loser on this list is one that still hurts me. It's Greg Dulcich. And, you know, I guess we can't see what happens in practice. So I don't know if he has failed to impress coaches or if it's just like, this is how we want to use you. And you're not, the, I don't know, you're not the guy that we want on the field for every down, Jared. I guess yeah. for people who are less familiar with the situation, what makes Greg Dulcich a preseason loser? Yeah, so in Denver's first preseason game, Dulcich, played fewer snaps and more importantly ran fewer pass routes than Adam Troutman. So that, that was tough to see. Now in the second preseason game, it got a lot better for Greg Dulcich. He ran a pass route on six of eight Russell Wilson dropbacks. So, you know, that's 75%. That if he's, if he can stay there all season, he'll be just fine. My takeaway, just how he was used in the two preseason games, he might just be a guy that's kind of game plan dependent. Like, you know, Sean Payton's going to look at the matchup. Is this a game we want to deploy Dalsich or is there more game we want, you know, Troutman out there, you know, probably is a better blocker. So that that could be tough for lineup setting leagues, uh, kind of, you know, figuring out when to start Greg Dalsich. I still think he's going to bring some weekly upside and his ADP has plummeted. Like he's, you know, Mm -hmm. close to tight end 20 in ADP in a lot of places now. So I'm definitely still buying him if I can get him in that range. He still certainly makes sense for a best ball lineup. I worry that, you know, not only we got that first signal that his playing time might struggle, but that even if he is just the up and down type, that might be worse because then he'll have a game that makes you think you want to start him the next week. And then his usage uh, plummets that next week. I think I might rather have him just not get used enough so I can just know that I don't need to start him as it is. You know, I got my early best ball shares. I probably am just kind of waiting to see what happens at this point. But, you know, as like a tight end two stashing on a deeper roster, certainly nothing wrong because there's plenty of upside to the player. And then we'll see if the situation is a positive or a negative. The last thing with Dalsich too, I mean, you know, Tim Patrick out for the season. Jerry Judy's already dealing with a hamstring injury. We don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. So like what looks like a deep wide receiver core is pretty thin at at that point. Um, So that that can only help Dalsich get on the field and, and run those pass routes like we want him to. Yes, we have updated all of our rankings for all of these happenings and the news. We will continue updating them as needed. And if you want to know exactly who has moved up or down our rankings at the end of each week, Jared posts a weekly article to explain just that. Jared, when should people look for this week's edition? Either late Friday night or first thing Saturday morning. So there you go. When you get your coffee Saturday morning, click DraftSharks.com. Check the movers article because there's the full list of everybody who moved up and down and why. And of course, those up-to-date rankings power your DraftSharks war room. That will take your league settings and customize round-by-round draft advice to fit your specific format. If you haven't done so already, fire up your draft war room now by clicking the button on your screen or clicking the link in the show notes below. Thanks very much for watching and listening. Now let's go win the season.
All right. All right.